Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me here on this Tuesday, May 5th edition of Bang the Book Radio. My name is Adam Burke, your host for the next half hour or so. As we chat, a grab bag of things here with Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline. We're going to talk about some horse racing. We're going to talk about the NHL. We're going to talk about NASCAR's return, which is coming up here uh, in about a week and a half or so. A lot of stuff that's finally getting put on the calendar here. Some stuff for us to finally look forward to. We'll chat about some of that here on today's edition of the show. Over at bangthebook.com, I'm covering the KBO, the Korean Baseball Organization. 3-0 start with opening day. I should just retire and go out on top, but I'm an idiot, so I'm going to keep handicapping this and writing it up for you over at bangthebook.com. So hopefully we can keep doing pretty well with that. UFC 249 preview is up over at the website as well. And we'll be covering NASCAR when it returns. We got some uh, golf charity matches coming up before we get back into the swing of the PGA Tour season. So we got a lot of good content going up over at bangthebook.com. And of course, as you know, this and every edition of Bang the Book Radio presented by our friends over at DSI Sportsbook. BTB and the number 200 is that promo code. 100% deposit match bonus for the sportsbook. 100% deposit match bonus for the live casino at BetDSI. It's only a game until you bet it. Like I said, we chat here today with Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline. Brian, how's it going today, man? All right, Adam. Uh, good weekend. Uh, the horse racing was good. You almost had a great horse story to tell. You got one to tell. It's just not the happy ending you wanted. And uh, the NASCAR thing's ridiculous. We, you and I, before we started, we're looking at the schedule coming up. I know you're... You're drooling over the baseball. Well, you know, God bless you. <laughs> You're a better man than I am. Well, it's uh, it's definitely a different market, and I was I was pretty honest and upfront yesterday in the article about the fact that you know I had never really handicapped it until you know yesterday's games and, and the previous few days, kind of going through trying to see what I could pick up on, and so far so good, and, and hopefully it stays that way. But that horse story that I have, my God. Um, so for Oaklawn on Saturday with the Arkansas Derby in two divisions, Division One and Division Two, I decided to go ahead and play the pick five, which is picking the winners in races 10 through 14, race 14, one and three quarter miles. So basically just whichever horse had enough gas in the tank was going to find a way to win that one. It was the hardest race that I had to pick of all of them. And in fact, I came home and I called you and I'm like, Brian, I'm, I'm still alive in the pick five. What the hell do I do? Uh, we had a good 15-minute chat about trying to figure this thing out, but one and three quarters is a hell of a long race and a very challenging handicap. Yeah, you got uh, the knuckleball thrown at you at the end there because that's just it, it, pretty much anything can win. It's not about who's the fastest horse. It's who can run all day long. And every track in North America kind of stages a race like that one a year for those marathon horses. And it basically those are horses that, that gallop four miles a day and, and can just run and run and run and run. The time is irrelevant usually. Uh, so it was one of those things where a myriad of horses uh, could have won the race. I think uh, the ones you had alive ran third and fourth, and the one we ultimately thought in the 15 minutes we had, the one that could beat you, beat you, ran second. So you try, you know, mini hedge was the exacta, and that worked. And he ended up on top of the a couple of the horses you had. The other problem was there was another one out there that got to the rail, and 
there's a speed bias at Oakland. There had been throughout the meet, and anything that was on the rail just kept on going. And old Tyler Bays let you down. He was on the rail and panicked. Well, and speaking of that, let's kind of touch on that for a minute. You, you mentioned the speed bias. You mentioned the rail. And that was something that people were talking about on social media, basically from the jump on Saturday, saying, you know, this isn't any fun. It's get to the rail, and, and you win the race kind of going away. And we talk about that in a live betting context with, you know, football, basketball, whatever else. Something that you kind of pick on while the game is, is going on, something you pick up, excuse me, while the game is going on, you start live betting into that angle. You start, you know, kind of playing it a little bit. And that's something, if you get a chance to just kind of sit and watch these tracks, or maybe if you know the reputation of a track, that's something that can be very, very profitable for you as you're going through your day, kind of breaking down the form and, and watching these races go off. No, there's no doubt. I mean, there's so many, you know, intricacies to the sport. And the funny thing is, I mean, you know, it's easy for, you know, a fat ass like me to sit here and say this for the jockey that's, you know, going to hop on the 1,200-pound animal going 30 miles an hour and risk his life every time he does it. But that's what they're doing, and they're making, you know, some of them in races like that can make big bucks doing it. Uh, And sometimes you just sit there and you shake your head. I mean, there had been a speed bias at that track basically the entire meet, and it was exacerbated on the weekend with the big races. And uh, it's funny, um, Mike Battaglia from NBC, his brother, remember Mike, I don't know if he's still on NBC, but for many, many years, he's still the morning line odds maker guy at Churchill Downs. And his brother Bruce is a good friend of mine. And Bruce and I would talk all the time. Back in 2005, Bruce told me on Wednesday, leading up to the Derby, he said, the, the rail is gold. He said, or I'm sorry, the rail is dead. He said, the, the, he said, the inside three paths are an absolute quagmire. You know, if horses go down there, they're done. And to this day, I say, a fleet Alex should have won the Kentucky Derby, should have won, would have been a terrific, he'd have been in that virtual triple crown race, which was the gift from the gods. We'll talk about that. But sure enough, here's, here's, Bruce telling me this on Wednesday, and here comes a fleet Alex roaring up in the Kentucky Derby, and Jeremy Rose, the young rider at the time, he ducks him down into the two-hole coming for home, and the horse just stopped. It was like he just ran him into the dead part of the track. And you just wonder, like, and we're talking about the race you needed to pick five. Tyler Bays is on the rail going down a backstretch in a marathon race, and he runs up on heels on the horse. He had a ton of horse. And there was no, it was like, okay, the horse wanted to go and he's trying to hold him back. But the horse runs up on heels and gets set back f- five lanes. Well, you know, harness horses only have one move in them. I mean, you've got to be exceptional in a thoroughbred race to have a move and then come back. It can be done. So he sets the horse back and he starts running again. And he's, he's behind two long shots that are down on the rail. And he swings him out into the middle of the track. And the horse looked like he was a ton of horse. And he just flattened out. If he'd have stayed behind, and one of the one of the long shots just kept going. Had he stayed behind that horse on the rail, probably had a chance. But it, it's it's amazing to me. And again, you know, they're on on the back of the animal. Uh, but how sometimes these guys are sitting there, and you would think they would know better than anybody. Don't want no part of anywhere other than the the rail. And any horse that made a looming move went to the outside, flattened out. So 
That's your horror story. I mean, it's a great story, great handicapping. But what you basically should end up doing then is go and watch is is is, is watch the replay of the races that weekend, and go and watch every horse that made this looming bold move to the center of the track and flattened out. Write those horses down. Put them in a virtual stable. Get an alert for the next time they run back because they look like they're hangers or, you know, eh, the horse has nothing in the tank, and the horse was just flat out running against the speed bias. So there'll be there'll be eight of these horses that are going to appear at Churchill Downs in the next three weeks, and those horses will go off eight to one when they should be going off eight to five, and they're going to run like reindeer for you because they were running against a bias. So you take the negative, you try to turn it into a positive. Yeah, most definitely. And, you know, when you look at the Arkansas Derby here, Charlatan won Division One as we anticipated. Nadal won Division Two as I kind of anticipated. I know you like King Guillermo a lot in that race, and he ran a good race, finished second. Uh, Nadal just, you know, kind of got that speed bias first. But you mentioned this on when we talked about the Arkansas Derby last week. You said, point blank, Charlatan has to fall down to lose this race. And Charlatan could have won that race absolutely running away in Division One. Maybe sometimes a handicap is just that easy in horse racing, and we try to overthink it. We try to put it in an exact box or something like that. Maybe it really is just that easy. But you were telling me that the real bet to make on Saturday was to go ahead and take Charlatan at the price that he was at to win the Kentucky Derby. Yeah, I mean, uh, he, he, the funny thing is they had him even money on the morning line, and I'm like, there's no – I mean, I thought he was going to go off one to nine. He went off one to five, and the same – same difference but the way that you had to approach that in reality and i hate value the word value it's the dumbest word it is just it's an idiotic word in sports betting well the values well what's the value in ripping up a ticket well i ripped that ticket up but boy i sure got a good price on it i you know it's like the most overused idiotic term uh in sports betting the wise play was at plus 550 to win the Kentucky Derby was to bet Nadal before that race. Because if Nadal romped the way he did, albeit in a weaker division, he's got all the points in the world. He's going to be Charlotte. in the Kentucky. You mean, you mean Charlotte? I, I, what did I say, Nadal? Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, no, Nadal no. looks good for the Derby, too, quite frankly. Nadal, no, but sure, yeah, I'm sorry. Charlottesin basically was plus 550 to win the Kentucky Derby. I was like, bet him now to do that, because if he wins this race – he is going to go from plus 550 down to 5 to 2 or 3 to 1 by Monday. And in many places, that, I think, is what occurred. So the bet was just you know, bet him for the you – know, if you're going to watch the race, bet him for the Kentucky Derby and you get the massive overlay because I would think in the Kentucky Derby, and we don't know what Bath, Baffert's other horse authentic's going to turn into. And we've seen Nadal. Uh, I do believe Charlatan, as of today, towers over Nadal. So, you know, and getting him to the gate is the hard part, but when you get to September 5th, if Charlatan is sound and in good shape and everything goes as planned, Charlatan's going to go to the starting gate as the 8-5 to five favorite in the Kentucky Derby. So why not get 5-6-1 five, five, to one on him now? Well, and slowly but surely here, we're starting to get some of the postponed events rescheduled. The Santa Anita Derby comes June 6th. That'll be the next big Kentucky Derby prep race, and we probably will see Authentic in that one, who already won the San Felipe Stakes 
at Santa Anita back in March. Uh, the Wood Memorial, New York is maybe starting to open up slowly but surely. So maybe we get that prep race at Aqueduct here, maybe July, maybe early August, something like that. Uh, the Bluegrass Stakes at Keeneland, that one should be rescheduled. I would think for probably mid to late June would kind of be my guess right now. Uh, Churchill Downs opening up, what is it, May 11th, May 15th, something like that. So we're starting to get some more of these prep races here. We'll cover them for you at bangthebook.com and also talk about them here on Bang the Book Radio. But from but, one type of horsepower... Wait, 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 wait a minute, if you would, before we leave this horse racing, I just got I, I to tell you something. Uh, I bel- did we talk about the virtual triple crown last week? Oh, I think- yeah. I am telling you, uh, in faraway places, they put Secretariat up at plus $1.20. I, I mean, it literally was the bet of our lifetime. I, it was, I'm like, they can't possibly hang this horse. And he he should have been like Charlatan one to nine. There's a, there was no way that the computer chip could – Secretariat owns uh, the the record uh, in the Derby, the Preakness, and by two and a half seconds, the record at the Belmont. He just flat out had the fastest times, and to, to for them to put him up at plus 120 was an absolute gift from the gods. It was one of the bets of our lifetime, and the only thing that, that would mirror that – is is ongoing right now, and that's uh, betting William Byron in the cartoon car races. <laughs> the cartoon car races, I like that. I, to be totally honest with you, I mean, I I haven't paid any attention to that at all. Have you watched any of those? I mean, what, yes, what is that I've sort of like? It it's very good, honestly. I mean, um, but it's I mean, it's free money. It's free money. I mean, this guy just, you know. For whatever reason, he's just dominant. It, you know, he's he's led the, the number stupefying in the amount of laps he's led in virtually every race, and he's won three in a row now, I believe. And he wins for fun, you know. And you, you're getting him at like I think in these races at two to one, five to two. It's free money. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I'll have to kind of pay a little bit more. To, are, do they, are they doing another one before they get back to, you know, the actual auto racing? Ooh, yes, they are, actually. This uh, weekend? Yeah, they're going back. Oh, I'm, I'm losing my marbles. What's the track? They're going back to a track that's not on the circuit anymore. Um, it was a famous old race. They don't run anymore. Um, I can find it. Next, next car, virtual race. This Google thing is a pretty cool thing. Yeah, right? Technology. It's awesome, isn't it? Uh, well, they're doing uh, the Monster Mile, but they, is it in a week or in, in a couple of weeks? I thought they were going back. I thought I saw this. Are they going to keep doing this once they get back to the regular season or no? Uh, you know, honestly, that's a great question because I know there are some places doing, you know, Madden football sims and hockey sims games that are you know, people are betting. And honestly, I don't know what a driver's, like a guy like Byron, with all the commitments they've got, you know, whether they'd have time to do this. But would it be the worst thing in the world if they staged, you know, one of these things, you know, midweek on a Wednesday night? I mean, would there be a market for it? Would, it, would, would people watch it? Would people bet on it? Maybe. I, uh-huh. I just I don't know that the guys 
uh, the drivers when they're in the, in the they wouldn't have time obviously what's well it's still what are you doing tonight nothing oh let's do the virtual car race but I, there may be a market for it so nascar in its regular form comes back here may 17th barring some sort of interruption or you know a coronavirus case or, or something like that but really interesting here it's seven total races for nascar in 11 days four cup series races over those 11 days darlington may 17th and may 20th charlotte may 24th and may 27th so those are the four cup series races in between two xfinity series races one truck race a lot to unpack here with this nascar stuff first of all You've got the quick turnaround. Second of all, you don't have qualifying. There's no practice. There's no qualifying. It's, well, you're out on the track, and that's that. So, man, this is going to be a really difficult handicap in some respects. But in other respects, as you and I were talking about before we started recording, you wreck your car, you blow an engine, something like that with a big team. It doesn't matter. Somebody writes a check, the engine's there or whatever. You're a smaller team. You're SOL for that next race, potentially. The smaller teams, yeah. I mean, like a, a smaller team, although he, he's a different animal now, uh, the, the example would have been like Martin Truex when he was the, the furniture row and they were based out of Denver. You know, now he's on Joe Gibbs, so eh, let's just give him another car. But, you know, uh, maybe the Wood Brothers, the, the Benedetto car, guys like that. Yeah, you, you wreck, you know, you, they have two or three good cars. You know, some of these other guys have a have an army of cars. They can just, oh, yeah, we'll just take this other backup off the truck, and it's as good as, you know, the, the majority of the field. Then it becomes the driver's problem. But that'll be interesting because, yeah, you, you wreck a car, and you got two days to turn it around. Uh, that's going to be interesting and problematic for some. But, you know, could be one of these th- things, too. And the interesting thing are back-to-back races at the same track. Um, you know, on May 17th, Darlington, May 20th, Darlington. Uh, then they go Sunday, Wednesday at Charlotte Motor Speedway, one of them being the Coca-Cola 600, which is kind of a quirky deal to go that far. Um, but you'd be sitting there you know, watching these guys and who's running well, who got a bad break, uh, you know, maybe who had a bad pit stop and the guy blows the race, but he was the best car. You turn around and you play him in the next race. So... It's weird. I think you'd be able to watch a race with an eye on the one that's coming back in three days. Well, and something else I'm kind of wondering about here is, um, you know, and and my dad was telling me about this because we were talking about it the other day, like how qualifying is going to happen for this, how they're going to set, you know, the starting grid. I mean, that that's something that's going to be pretty interesting to sort of see as well. It's something that's obviously going to change the odds around quite a bit, I would think. Although, you know, we are kind of running. Well, Darlington's a smaller track. Charlotte's a big track. Maybe the starting grade doesn't matter quite as much there. But, hell, it certainly will at Darlington. So that's something that's going to be kind of interesting. I, I feel like my dad maybe said that they're just kind of, like, pulling the starting positions out of a hat or something. I'm trying to find confirmation of what they're doing. But I mean, that's going to be something in and of itself, too. Well, and the funny thing is, and some of the drivers are talking about this, and it's crazy. You wouldn't think it, but you know, Darlington, by the way, where they're coming back is, you know, they're all these guys. Even the guy that wins the race, they're scraping paint on that wall. It's, it's one of these things. You're running all of a sudden one one lap, you just for a half a second lose your concentration. 
and and that that wall just comes up on you on Darlington. But we talk about this in football. We talk about it in hockey and, and all these other sports where an element of rust has to be considered. And you know, and at a, at a place like this, well, one mistake and your day's done. At a place like Darlington, and some of the drivers are saying, you know what, rust is going to be a thing. There's going to be guys that just, you know, got to get back in the groove. So, again, somebody could make a mistake on, you know, the first race, and but they were running really good in the first thirty laps and had one, one lapse of concentration and, you know, ding the car up to the point where the car is a kind of an ulcer ran. But in those first twenty laps, that car was dominant, and you know the driver is going to be better from Sunday to Wednesday, and it, again, it might be an opportunity to come back and play a guy, you know, three days later. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to be intriguing. It's going to be great just to see something that's actually live. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and something else, too, I, I know you like to bet into this specific market, and maybe it's something we all need to focus on a little bit more here with NASCAR coming back. Instead of throwing darts and trying to figure out who the hell is going to win these things, play those smaller group plays where you get – you're the highest finisher in a certain group. You know, you're going to have Matt Kenseth, who's out there, hasn't driven a car, you know, with this current aerodynamics package. You're going to have guys that maybe have first-year crew chiefs to the point where, you know, they're going to have, I think they have different, you know, um, methods of stoppage, different pit stops because they're trying to social distance and, and whatever the hell else. New crew chiefs, that's going to be a challenge. Uh, you know, obviously, if you've got some new team members, stuff like that, that's going to be a challenge. And then, you know, you said the, the rust element to all of this of, you know, some of these guys haven't driven a car in, you know, what, uh, two months, you know? So, well, well not, it, I mean, not I, a NASCAR, not no. a stock car, but, you know, I mean, maybe the group play is kind of where you look here, uh, you know, especially coming off of that first race where you get a second race right away and you've got it all fresh in your mind of what happened, although they are qualifying for the Coca-Cola 600, so... I'm just like everything else, like everything else we've been talking about since this effing virus began, just so much uncertainty across everything. Well, it's funny. I, I really started doing this last year. You know, I'd always bet the NASCAR races and, you know, have a, have a, you know, some, some guy 15 to one or whatever and enjoy it and watch the race. But the more I watched it, the more I started to really know a, a lot more about it. And, I mean, I've watched it forever, but, I mean, really started to focus on it, and it, it was on my slate of things to play every week to the point where those group matchups that are often, first of all, you get a favorite, let's say, Logano, for argument's sake, could be the the 4-1 to one, a four to one favorite or 9-2 to two favorite to win a race. But you put him in a group matchup with Kyle Busch, Martin Truex and Brad Keselowski, and in that group matchup, he's plus 275. Well, he's got to be three guys. He doesn't have to be 33 guys. And he could have a bad day, but those other three guys could get in an accident, and you're still winning that bet. Yeah, but the other thing is, to me, it's the mid-pack guys. Like, well, then I'll look at some of these group matchups and go, no, to me, you know, somewhere in group G, you know, guys that are going to end up running 15th to 20th but to in the group matchup there's a stick out in there going yeah this, this is a young kid starting to figure it out um you show mark to prove every week and this guy always gets himself and it's like bam that guy's a stick out and and have a, a stronger opinion on on like the fifth or sixth group matchup and it makes you actually then you're really you're watching the the race within the race you know they're showing the leaders and you're sitting there 
and you're watching that clock on the on the left wall there. I am four tenths of a second ahead for my bet. Is that it's actually fun? Yeah, and again, I mean, I, it's it's probably not a market that a whole lot of people dive into, and and they're probably going to now just because there's not a whole lot going on, much like me with the KBO. A lot of people going to have a lot of money out there for these UFC fights coming up here, uh, especially this one coming up on Saturday with two title fights. So people are going to be forced kind of, you know, by their own desire for action to bet some of these markets that they don't typically bet. We talk about horse racing a lot now uh, at bangthebook.com and here on the show, a market that a lot of people that listen to the show probably weren't invested in because – you know, we do a lot of football and basketball and baseball stuff. So, well, think you, know, you think about this, Adam. And we were talking on my show here, Sportsbook Radio, with, with a lot of the sportsbook guys. And, and I'm telling you, for starters, like a handful of the places in town have the sports app and the and the race racing app that they will see more people will sign up and get the horse racing app. But horse racing at the, on the back end of this thing will be a small winner. If all the tracks had been running, I mean, I think maybe it could have been a big winner. But $41 million was the handle on the Oakland races the other day. Well, it was a record. No good for Oakland Park because they're getting $0.03 cents on every dollar instead of 18 to $26 on win and exotic wagers with the on-track handle. But what it was telling you is the level of interest was through the roof. People paid attention to it. And in fact, uh, I thought that that virtual triple crown race, I thought NBC, and you know, believe me, I give them credit because the coverage of the American Pharaoh thing was, was exceptional. I thought they blew that thing so bad Saturday because a lot of people talked about that, hey, the triple crown thing, all the triple crown winners, even though it was a virtual race, they should have spent, instead of just, you know, Copy and pasting the three-hour broadcast of American Pharaoh's Day at the Kentucky Derby with the mint juleps and the garbage and all the crap that went with it. They had an opportunity, with people now paying attention to the sport, to have taken that triple crown race and and just made it three hours of, here's Eddie R. Caro aboard Whirl Away, and look at some of these historic races, and, and Secretariat, and then do a feature on Citation. Uh, you know, the affirmed alley dart. They could have, because people were paying attention to it, people that don't know nothing about horse racing would have, A, been entertained and learned so much about the sport. I thought they missed the boat so badly on that because uh, it was cool. But the other thing that's going to happen is that guys that are, you know, sports bettors that uh, walk into a sports book and make their football bet or baseball bet or NBA or hockey or whatever it is, now, a lot of these guys are going to walk in to the sports book and they make their bet and they look up and they say, oh, there's three minutes to Belmont. Well, now they know enough to be dangerous because they played the horses. Now they're going to walk over to the side of the book, take a look at the form and bet Belmont. So horse racing is going to be a, I think, a winner in, in this on the back end. But the big winner in all of this, just because what what is the new normal? The new normal are the sports apps are going to be absolutely insane because people are going to say, I want, I'll go into the sports, at least for the foreseeable future. I'll go into the sports book and I'm going to, I'm going to open up a sports betting account. People like to hold the ticket, but now they're going, I only have to go to the book once instead of putting a mask on and this, that, and go in there every day. 
You watch how sports apps, the sports betting apps, I mean, not that they weren't exploding to begin with, but it was like, you know, probably half the handle was on apps. But you watch that number rise. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's definitely a, an excellent point there. And, you know, especially, too, I mean, we're, we're seeing, you know, Tennessee is going to come online this year. That's all online. Tennessee doesn't have any casinos. So that's going to be 100% mobile and online betting. Virginia, they're going to come on late in 2020, probably December. That's all online as well. And we're seeing that, you know, states are starting with retail moving to online, and online is doing exceptionally well, and retail's kind of lagging behind. People, and it's it's also going to be this way just in general when you talk about sports. We've already seen attendance in decline anyway because people are going, I can sit on my couch, watch my 65-inch TV, not wait in line for the bathroom, get my beer out of the fridge, eat whatever I want. Attendance is down anyway. And now we're going to have people that there's going to be this initial wave of people like, oh, my God, I've got to get out of the house. I got to get out of the house. But then people are going to settle back in and do exactly what you're saying. Bet from their apps. They're not going to go to sporting events. They're going to watch them on TV. They're going to do uh, carry out and drive through a lot more than they probably did previously. So, yeah, I mean, mobile betting is, is just going to go through the roof, to say the least. And especially as more sports do it and as more sports realize exactly what you're saying. There's going to be a lot more online options. We're not going to have in-person registration like we have in Nevada, in Illinois, in Iowa. It's going to be sign up from wherever you are and start betting with us. It's all going to explode. The fact that we have so much convenience now and we're actually able to take advantage of it is just going to further that even more. Well, and even the casual better, uh, the recreational better, if they've got now an app they utilize the sports app where they never did in the past. It's like anything. It's right in front of you. It's impulse shopping. That Watch watch what happens with uh, live uh, in-game wagering because there are going to be a lot of casual guys that have are now utilizing the app when they didn't use the app before. And if they if they win a bet and all of a sudden, you know, they put 100 bucks in the account, they win a couple of bets, now all of a sudden they got 300 bucks, 400 bucks in their account. It's like anything, you know, you're on a little tootsie roll and you're feeling good, and all of a sudden you're sitting there with that app and you're watching an NBA game and you're like, oh, wait, I got the app. Oh, wait a minute, I've never done this before. And go into the app, oh, and now I'm going to make a live bet here in the middle of the third quarter of the NBA game just because you got the, the sports book at your hand. And guys never, you know, guys had never even considered making a live wager in a game it's like a whole new market that's going to open up. Well, speaking of television and, and maybe a lack of attendance here, the NHL is is in a very interesting place right now. And I actually saw this on Twitter earlier in the week. This is a tweet from May 1st from Matt Sakaris. I apologize if I'm butchering his name. He's a, a drive-time host in Vancouver on the TSN affiliate up there. And one of the things that he said I thought was pretty interesting here, he said, and I quote from Twitter, My understanding on why the NHL is still considering completion of the regular season is that 12 U.S.-based clubs have Fox regional TV deals, and those deals stipulate that regular season games must be completed. Failure to do so comes with a severe penalty. The deals roll over to next season at no cost to Fox. So those teams would face no regional regional TV revenue, which would in turn hurt hockey-related revenue, for the whole league. 
Now, those 12 teams, Matt goes on to say, Carolina, Columbus, Detroit, Florida, Tampa Bay, Anaheim, Arizona, Dallas, Los Angeles, Minnesota, Nashville, and St. Louis. One of the things that you and I have been talking about here, Brian, is that at some point, it's going to be a breaking point where it's about money. It's no longer about health and public safety and all these kinds of things. It's about dollars and cents. And for the NHL here, with the hockey-related revenue in play and obviously all this important TV revenue, this may be kind of their breaking point in terms of how they're trying to figure this out logistically to actually finish the regular season and do some sort of modified playoff. I I don't care how they try to slice it. I just don't see them finishing the regular season. I think they're coming back. They're coming back with a postseason tournament. We've been saying all along, they'll hold out longer than anybody. Bettman even said just the other day, we'll start the next year as late as December. So they're going to have a Stanley Cup playoff tournament. The first problem is the big meeting they had yesterday is about the draft in early June. We can get into that. On the regional TV front, I would venture a guess, and I have not seen anybody report this, but virtually every market, they're doing it here in Vegas. I sit home. Last night I watched uh, the Sabres-Leafs uh, game four in 1999, the year the Sabres, it was the Eastern Conference Final. The Sabres for five weeks have been showing you know, famous past games, teams. They've been showing this whole run to the Stanley Cup playoffs. So, you know, I would think from, and those games are on MSG, but I could only imagine that the same premise could exist with the region, Fox regionals, that they're sitting there going, yeah, we're not on live, but we're showing these past games and we're showing them every night. So you were only going to get three nights a week on TV. Now we're, we're showing a past game every night. The ratings are decent or you know, or not as good as a live game, but the ratings are still really good, and we're giving you extra days. i got to believe there's good faith, goodwill. The new TV deal's coming in 22. These... I think the teams individually are finding ways to work with their broadcast partners. I don't see – it sounds perilous. I, I, I can't see a, a, you know, a, a, a Fox regional uh, – I can't see it, them just taking somebody and lopping their head off. I think there's wiggle room and ways to work with this. The other thing is when the NHL comes back, not, no fans are going to be there, so there's the, no gate. But people are so starved for this stuff, and the Stanley Cup playoffs are great. I, I, to me, they want to print money. I, I'm, I'm all in. Yeah, you want to make it a pay per view thing, all right? You're just watching this last dance thing with Michael Jordan, and they're during the NFL draft. They're saying, "Oh, tomorrow it's uh, episodes three and four, and don't forget on ESPN he curses." You know, and on the other channel it's beeped out. Well, I'm telling you right now, the NHL's got a brain in their head. They do nine ninety five. You've got a broad a network broadcast thing, and then you know it's the same feed, the same commercials, the the whole thing, so that NBC wouldn't balk at it. You you go to them. I'm in nine ninety five for the Stanley Cup playoffs. I can hear the Nat sound, and it, it, even if it's even if it's hockey without announcers or announcers that would would sit back and and instead of hiding from it. If you could hear these two guys on the side of a faceoff sparring, really, one more, hit me one more time. I'm going to hit you so hard I'll kill your pets. 
I swear to God. I got the license plate. I mean, I, I, I swear to God. I'm going to hit you with so many lefts, you'll be begging for a right. To hear these guys and the crap they say to each other, it would be amazing. Absolutely amazing. 995 players, you know, it's like they're mic'd up. It's a, I think it would be a massive money-making market for them. Yeah, I, I think so, too. I mean, you know, again, obviously, you know, you slap an R rating or an NC-17 or whatever you have that's to a, do on it. But That's right. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's they, they do this in, in spring training with Major League Baseball players, and, and it's it's fun. You know, and I understand that maybe players don't want to be bothered over the course of the game. Some players won't want to do it. Some will be completely fine with it. But that, what you need to focus on now, because you've got to remember – Next year, in all well, they, these different leagues, people are still not going to go to crowded arenas. They're just right. not going to feel comfortable doing that. Oh. You have to enhance the at-home experience, and one great way to do that is to not make me listen to some baseball announcer bitch and moan about how the game was better 20 years ago. It's to hear these players. Well, you're not going to hear the crowd. You're not going to hear the ambiance or anything like that. Mike the damn players, and let's enhance the at-home experience that way. Is, the, is there anything more infuriating? And I, 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 I'll use these two guys. Yeah, I, th- I think they're spectacular. But just for argument's sake, for the visual, although they've done it, uh, 18th hole at the Masters, they did. They just they were showing a replay the other. It was Cabrera. Uh, the when Cabrera when Adam Scott won the won the the Masters the Masters weekend when they're showing the replays. Is there anything more infuriating? You know, Cabrera's hitting a second shot into 18th. And he's standing there with his son, who's the caddy, and they're talking, and you can hear them underneath, and they're talking. As I, you know, you know I'm going to hit hit an eight. Well, the, the wind's kicking up. Should we go with a seven? Well, I got one. I got one forty two front, one forty nine middle. Uh, you know, uh, one forty seven to the pin, and but and but they're having this debate, and the announcers go, "Well, they're trying to decide whether that he does this or." He, yeah, I get it. I said, I don't need you to tell me wh- what they're talking about when all you have to do is shut the hell up and let me hear what they're talking about. It's infuriating. It, it, yeah. if you, and, and there's going to be no fans. And that's why at golf it's so cool because you can hear them talk like, like the announcer if you let them. In hockey, Stanley Cup playoffs, the intensity of this, there are no fans. You don't, They don't have to wear mics. They, they'd be able to pick that up from anywhere. You'll hear what the what they're saying. Oh yeah, I, I used to love that man. I go to some of these minor league hockey games here in Cleveland, and there'd be, you know, two hundred people there on a Tuesday night with snow flying around. It's my dad and I, and you hear everything. I mean, it was it oh. was probably one of my my earliest uh, experiences with uh, I'll call it hockey vernacular. To, to put it nicely. Oh, and, and though, but, it, believe oh, me, the 12-letter words are flying. And even when the crowds are, it, sound is a funny thing. It's almost like, uh, you know, it's like being at elementary school. But we used to sit the top row of the lower goals at the old Odd in Buffalo, right across from the Sabres bench. And even with the crowd going nuts, it's amazing. If there was a guy line of sight on your level, you know, talking through the din of the crowd, you could hear it, but it was only a handful of people. It was like it was like it's like their mic, their mouth was like a, an omnidirectional microphone. But you, you know, sound is a weird thing. You could hear it through the din of the crowd if they were looking right at you talking. 
But I mean, if, if, if basically that was like, talk about just an addendum and an add-on to great stuff with intensity and passion. To actually hear the stuff they're saying. It was one of the darkest days of my life. Is my best friend in Buffalo is he was a cameraman between the benches. Now all the they have all the analysts are between the benches. So the, the cameraman between the benches is a thing of the past. You know? And he would call me every night, game would be over. He'd go out to have a beer after the game and he'd call me out here. And he'd say, Oh, Rob Ray said this to Ty Domi. This one said this one. and he's right between the benches and they're chirping back. And the, it was like it was like a sitcom. The stuff he, I'd be in tears, belly laughing. The stuff he would tell me that these guys say to each other is priceless. I'm all about it, man. I am. I mean, I also don't really have a filter, and not very much offends me. So oh. you know, it, it's right up my alley. But man, I'm telling you, you know, it, well, and let's, uh, let's even let's who's going to be offended? With... Who, who's going to be offended? But I and I and I am no wallflower. I talk like a trucker. If I'm within ten yards of a microphone, darn's the worst thing you'll ever hear me say. But what is it about? And it's amazing. Every guy does it, and I, you know, no matter all these years, I, you know, if you love the sport, the tradition of it, you know, even if your team's not involved, you watch them get the cup. That moment when they get the cup and they can celebrate. But virtually every guy gets the cup, skates right up to the camera, puts it over his head, and lets the f bomb fly. Like yeah, every every guy, it's like it's like I like it's almost like you can't show it, but it's, it's like Mike Emmerich saying it. I mean, but not one of them. Not one of them goes yes. You know, they they raise it up, and it's like it's an automatic mechanism that if they put the cup over their head, they let the f bomb fly every time. It's like. Yikes, guys! I mean, you know you're on camera, and so you're worried about what they're going to say to you know during the course of a game. <laughs> oh no, man! It's it's going to be great. I I hope so. I hope that happens one day, and you know, I mean, I hope it happens with something like uh, Rory and DJ against what Ricky and and Matt Wolf. You know, just do it with something like that. You know, give us some of that banter uh, in this you know charity skins game that's coming up, and they're trying to plan some more stuff. What is it? Brady and, and Manning are playing with a couple of, of PGA tour guys, tigers involved, I think. So, I mean, why not? You know, I mean, it, it's not, it's not anything that, that kids can't hear you know, on a cable TV movie or anything these days, you know, I mean, let's just, let's get past it and, and have some fun and enhance that at home. Well, I'm experience telling you it's a revenue. Hey, they're desperate for dough. It's a revenue stream. Oh Yeah. Oh, I, I love watching the hard. And I, and I'm not. I'm not. And I'm not saying. Oh, I'm going to turn it on because I'm going to hear a guy curse. That's not the point at all. These guys are hysterical. Oh, I yeah. mean, it's funny, but I mean, but you hear. You, I mean, you just hear the past. You. I mean, I mean, could you imagine? You know, the. You know, guy crashes the net. You know, takes a swipe at the goalie after the whistle, and now all ten of them are in there, and there's a scrum, and the referees are trying to break it up, and this one, and, and and to hear all that that's going on in that pile, it's like it's like you're on the ice with them without getting punched in the mouth. It's great. Yeah, that, that's exactly what what we need. I, I think it would be a really awesome addition to all sports and and hockey especially uh, for you and I, but. Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline. How can people check out those two shows of yours, Brian? Uh, noon to 2 Pacific time, KSHP.com. I archive the shows at SportsbookRadio.com. Uh, good stuff. And uh, the hockey, they had the big meeting about the draft. We're going to dive into that a lot about the prospects of returning for hockey. But I think they're going to stage the draft 
uh, the first week of June. There's pros and cons to it, but again, it's a lot of the stuff we were talking about. Uh, today's show, Pierre Maguire from NBC Sports is going to be on. Uh, that's at 1 Pacific, so we always get great hockey guests, and it's a lot of fun. And I usually put all the show links out on my Twitter, at Brian Blessing. And waiting for this stuff to come back, buddy, so we can start hammering out some videos for Bang the Book again. Yeah, that'd be great. Make sure you check out Brian's Hockey Betting Podcast as well with Cam Stewart. You can find all his stuff on Twitter, at Brian Blessing. Brian, appreciate the time as always, man. Good to chat, good to have some laughs, and we'll talk to you again next week. All right, good luck in the pick five this week. There he goes. Oh, sorry. There's, <laughs> sorry. Oh, there's Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Outline, KSHP.com, but sportsbookradio.com as well. Close only works in uh, pick five horseshoes and hand grenades. Uh, close didn't work in the pick five. I didn't win shit. It didn't work at all. Well. I got a story to tell. I I want a story. Yippee. (laughs) I was proud of you. Just to be breathing. It was fun, though. Yeah, it was. All right, Brian, you take care, man. All right, there you go. There's Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Online, at Brian Blessing on Twitter. Coming up on Thursday, another edition of the Betters Box, chatting KBO. We'll do some more Korean baseball on the Betters Box here on Thursday. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And I will talk to you again on Thursday.